0: Well, not long ago, ABC News reported about something that could get you in a lot of trouble, losing your wedding ring. How many of you have lost your wedding ring before? Okay. How many of your spouses know that you lost your wedding ring? Well, there was a, this story was about Colleen uh, Dickman, who said she accidentally threw out her wedding ring after cooking dinner Sunday night. She only realized it was missing the next morning. The report says, but by that time, the garbage truck had already come by and taken the trash. She ran out of the house and chased down the garbage truck. By the way, they really don't like it when you do that. (laughs) And stopped the driver. The driver then called Edward Wiggins, sanitation site crew leader at the town of Babylon's Department of Environmental Control. Wiggins said he had the driver immediately stop his route, and started digging for about three hours through six tons of garbage. Dickman said, in that moment, I thought, I'm not going to find it. I didn't see it. It's not in there. But finally, after four hours, they spotted the lost ring. Dickman said that she was brought to tears, and to show her appreciation, she later baked brownies and brought pizza and cookies that she took to Wiggins and his team during lunch. He said, we're really glad we were able to help her and get her ring back. To be honest, in the 41 years I've been here, we've only been able to successfully recover lost items three times. So uh, she was very excited and glad to find what she was looking for. And that's persistence, right? It's not just persistence on her part, but it's persistence on whoever was digging through the trash, trying to find that. Most people would say, forget it. You're never going to find it. When I hear about Nicodemus, I think about persistence. He was willing to diligently seek after what he was missing, right? We don't often talk about Nicodemus, do we? Uh, He is not someone that uh, pops up in our scripture readings very often. In fact, He is mentioned only three times and in the Gospel of John. Each time he is mentioned, it is very significant as we consider what was going on in Nicodemus's life. But he was a religious leader and a respected person in his society. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. And it would have been harmful to his reputation if people knew that he was interested in Jesus. He didn't want his friends to know. He didn't want his colleagues, his family, to know that he had an interest in Jesus. But there was just something about Jesus that made perfect sense to him. And so he waits until dark when no one would see him, and he slips out of his house to go and to find Jesus. I'm not sure how he found Jesus, but there must have been some amount of time and energy and thought that went in ahead of time to to go to where he was. And maybe he already had heard about Jesus. He talks about the signs and the wonders that he saw Jesus perform. And so he knew there was something different about him. But maybe he also watched how Jesus interacted with people in ways unlike any other teacher that he had ever seen or heard. He might have at first thought, as the other Pharisees did, by the way, they have such a bad name, don't they? If you call someone a Pharisee, you know, you've insulted them. Uh, no one is ever insulted by being called a Sadducee. Um, but Pharisees, we like to uh, classify them as these extreme legalists. And, and they were. But Jesus was probably closer to them than he was any other religious group within Judaism. But they see Jesus, uh, of course, as popular and even as a powerful teacher. They knew that. They could see that. But he was a troublemaker nonetheless. Nicodemus has seen and heard enough of Jesus to know that he must see and hear more. And so out he goes. Chances are you know what it is like to be Nicodemus. Perhaps you were here this morning Because there's just something about Jesus that causes you to want more of him, even on a time change Sunday when winter decides to arrive in Shreveport. What Jesus has to say sticks with you. It challenges your thinking and it stirs your soul like no one else ever has been able to do. There's just something about Jesus. And you would do pretty much anything, even risking your own reputation if necessary, to go and to be with Jesus. At least that's where we would like to be, right? Maybe this past week it was a bit of a struggle as you entered into this season of Lent and you found there were plenty of distractions. As soon as you tried to get closer to Jesus, there were things that were uh, causing you to move in other directions, But the effect Jesus had on Nicodemus is one that affects us too. One of the great things about our storytelling events is hearing when someone first met Jesus. What it was like and and how it happened. I remember Evelyn sharing her story and others uh, in our particular events. People saying that this is when Jesus really became more than someone I've heard about in Sunday school or vacation Bible school or uh, in worship. Jesus became personal to me. And I wonder what your story is. What about you? What was it like the first time that you heard Jesus speak? I mean, speak to you personally. What did you do or what have you done lately to pursue him? so that you could hear more. Nicodemus had a question that was burning inside of him, and he must get an answer. So after he finds Jesus, he asks him about the the kingdom of God. He is concerned about this kingdom. Jesus came talking about starting uh, this kingdom of God in the world. And everywhere he went, he would talk about the kingdom. And so people were talking about this as well. They were awaiting a special kind of kingdom that would free them from the oppression of the Roman armies and the the government that was over them. And so they continued to talk about the kingdom. And he has a question about this kingdom. He wants to know something deeper than just a superficial kind of question or to ask something to try to trip up Jesus to get him in trouble like the other Pharisees would do. Nicodemus is further along in his faith to ask just basic questions. He wants to know about the kingdom that Jesus keeps mentioning to everybody. And he comes with a desire to enter the kingdom. How do I get there, Jesus? How is it that I could access this kingdom? Jesus answered him by saying that it is a kingdom he must be born into. And Nicodemus is confused by this answer. You know, he, he says, well, I've already been born. I mean, that's why I'm here, right? I, I, my mother uh, had me, and I was born into this world. What are you talking about, Jesus? You're always talking in these riddles, and, and I never can seem to understand what you're saying, and, and Jesus does it to him again. Jesus gives him more specifics by telling him that the only way to enter the kingdom is by water, and the spirit. What Nicodemus had previously missed, even as a religious expert, was that God's kingdom was not a physical kingdom, but a spiritual one. Such a spiritual kingdom was to directly affect the physical kingdom, the worldly kingdom, and the ways of the world that he saw around him. Nicodemus, like the other Pharisees, was pursuing God's kingdom in the wrong way. They were looking for solutions that God did not have for them. They thought if they could take over the Roman government, if they could have a violent overthrow, if enough of them could get uh, what they needed to be able to, to take them over, then they would succeed and God would reward them and they would be free. But that was not what Jesus was talking about. The kingdom Jesus told him about that day and the one that he talked about for all of his life was one characterized by a God who loves the world so much that he sent his one and only son into it. It is the kind of kingdom that brings real life, Jesus says, eternal life. And he's not just talking about heaven or what happens when we die, but he's talking about Also, what we can enjoy and what we can experience and bring into this world. As we prayed this morning, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's a prayer that Jesus taught them to say. And so he is talking about this real kind of life in this world and also the world hereafter. It is a kingdom with the focus not on condemning people but on loving them. Jesus says that God didn't send me here to condemn people, but to save the world, to love the world, to express how much God loves us all. That's the kind of kingdom that we are to hear about today as well. We, like Nicodemus, are searching for real significance. We are all searching for meaning in our lives. And it it has different manifestations, doesn't it? At different stages in our life or different times, we search in different kinds of ways. And sometimes we find what we're looking for, other times we continue to search. And as we look at our world today and all the issues of today, we come to the point of understanding that things are not working right. Wouldn't you say? The ways of the kingdoms of this world promise much but deliver little. Violence begets more violence. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Loveless religion results in devout hatred. The worship of a God who condemns people is one that is disconnected from the kingdom of heaven and is just like any other worldly kingdom. What Jesus said to Nicodemus is what we need to hear today as we seek for a real way ahead. The reality of what God is doing in this world and beyond is one that you must enter through new birth. It's still the same today. Jesus says, if you want to enter into God's kingdom, if you want to be who God has created you to be, And to live with the purpose that God has for your life, then you must be born again. A birth of the Spirit delivered by the Holy Spirit. Have you been born in this way? Have you been born again? To really understand what God is doing in this world and what God wants for this world, we must go to where Jesus is and spend time with him. Such seeking and pursuit means getting past all of our religious and legalistic hang-ups. And by the way, we have a bunch of them, don't we? We love to tell other people how they ought to believe or what they ought to do, and we tend to not want to do that to ourselves, to not judge ourselves, but we judge others. Or we have all kinds of uh, rules that we think ought to apply to everybody. But we must get to that place with Jesus where we allow God to speak deeply into our souls through Jesus. And the season of Lent can be just such a place and time for us to get away from our distractions and to get alone with Jesus, Jesus. Last week, we talked about the wilderness, and we have a little mini wilderness up here. Uh, This week, we have some water. Jesus talked about baptism, and uh, a dove that just happened to fly in here that's supposed to be the Holy Spirit. But I talked about going out and finding a place where you can get alone with God, and sometimes it means going into a rugged place, a place where there are temptations, a place where you get really hungry, a place where you you find what you are really needing in life, but a place where you can listen to what God has to say to you. And that's what Jesus did. That's what we are to do. What you'll find as you go to a place with Jesus and as you knock on that door is a Jesus who welcomes you in, who offers you a place to sit and engages you in conversation, and helps you find just what you're looking for. The other two references that we have about Nicodemus and John's Gospel, uh, the second time is when Nicodemus is speaking up for Jesus, when Jesus is before this phony court, and he, uh, they've drummed up charges on Jesus, and uh, all of this commotion is going on. During this passion week. Jesus speaks up as a part of. I mean Nicodemus speaks up as a part of the Sanhedrin. And says that you can't just uh, execute someone without trying them. That there is a process that we must follow. You see Nicodemus still is thinking. There's something about this guy. That just makes sense. The third time is we see him involved in helping with the body of Jesus as Jesus is taken down from the cross. There's speculation about uh, Nicodemus's life after uh, the resurrection of Jesus and, and the kind of life that he lived as a follower of Jesus. That he moved from being a... Uh, Slip out in the middle of the night, kind of seeker to a dedicated, sold out disciple of Jesus Christ. We don't know all of the details of that, we don't have them in the gospel. But Jesus obviously made a difference in Nicodemus's life. Jesus changed his life. He was born into a brand new reality. His story is that he found what he was looking for. And so I ask you this morning, what's your story? Have you been born again? Let us pray.